are in the final episode of our doctrine series today. Yeah, that's how I feel. It's like, oh, you know, waiting for season two. And um, it's, it's been such a tremendous blessing. And it's, it's been just great, not only just hearing God's word connect with us in meaningful ways, helping us to understand him and who we are in him as individuals, um, but also just hearing other people testify to just how much this has meant to them. And today we arrive at the final conclusion, and it is glorification. And it's something that is a it's, it's got to be more than just a sentiment. It's got to be more than just an aspiration. It's got to be something that we realize that we're living now. And there are so many different ways in which to glorify God. And um, what that means, we'll kind of talk about in a moment. But the preach word is, is one of the most um, primary and effective ways of glorifying God because it's how God has revealed himself to us in our time by the aid of his Holy Spirit who is present, illuminating our hearts and understanding to, to grapple with the word. But also, hearing from one another is so important in us seeing God glorified. And so we hear Priscilla share her heart, blazing, passionate, burning heart, to see men reached and we're encouraged. And we just get another sense of appreciation for God's heart to see men reached. And if Priscilla had sat on that and, you know, the smoke just came out of her ears, but she just, you know, didn't share it, we would have been robbed of that richness. And so it's important that we don't underestimate or undervalue the, the blessing that we are called to be to one another in glorifying Christ even to one another. And so um, next week we're going to have a, 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 a bit of a different service on the back of this, recognizing that glorification is the, is the, is the, is the goal, is the, is the place that we are ultimately headed to. And yet we have opportunity, even in the here and now, to engage in that. On our strap line, Ecclesia, God's people for his glory, not just future tense. And so... We're going to take opportunity for there to be some creative sharing next week in ways that are going to encourage our hearts and glorify Christ among us. Amen? So look forward to that. It's going to be a service with a different format as we get ready to go into the summer season. Um, <clears throat> and as we have that in mind, let's consider Romans 8, 29 and 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you because truly you are faithful to the uttermost. Captivate our hearts. 
that, Lord, we would burn with that Priscilla-like passion for you and for your glory in the lives of men, in the lives of women, in the lives of young people, in the lives of families, in the lives of our community, in our very own lives, Lord. And so have your way among us today, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we started this series, this little series of big words based on a book of a similar name, little book of big words by Warren Wiersbe. And we first looked at justification and God's gracious justice in declaring the wrong right because of Christ. And having done so, we looked at adoption the father heart of God that adopts into his family all those who are justified through faith in Christ. And we considered regeneration, God's transformative work of changing the heart as according to that which he foreordained. And then we considered propitiation. Some of you thinking, when did we do that one? That, that word still sounds strange. And that is the spending of God's wrath in such a way that he is no longer angry towards those who believe because of our sin. But his anger was placed upon Christ and not only was his, his anger exhausted, fulfilled, satisfied in being poured out on Christ, but we were then brought into favor. Not mere tolerance, no resentment, but favor through propitiation. And then there was imputation, the crediting of God's righteousness to our account. So we're forgiven, but how do we stand before God? We know that we sin, and yet God credited to our account righteousness, the righteousness of Christ that he lived on our behalf. And then we heard of sanctification and God's progressive work of changing us and making us more like Jesus. And it's an up and down process. It's not a straight line graph. And sometimes we take two steps backwards or ten as the case may be. But God is no less at work in us, sanctifying those who believe. Why? Because he has reconciled us. He has restored right relationship, which was broken, which was destroyed with the first people, Adam and Eve. And as a result, the Lord makes intercession for his people. Because we are in need of his representation consistently before the Father. And so his blood, the Bible speaks, in heaven for us on our behalf. Even as his Holy Spirit enables us to cry out. And this is because of his mediation. The only one qualified to satisfy both camps. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. 
And so there was no one party that would find fault with him. Men couldn't say, oh, but you're too, too much of God and you're too unlike us. And so we don't relate to you. You can't represent us. And God couldn't look and say, well, you're too human and you're unlike me and you, you can't stand in the gap. And no, 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 no. The perfect go-between. The only mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. And this was God's purpose because... God purposed to conform those who he formed and yet became deformed by sin and yet are transformed through faith in Christ and by the renewing of our minds and will ultimately be conformed to the image of Christ. And last week we heard Rich T bring the thunder with predestination. God's working in the lives of those who now believe even before they did. According to his foreknowledge. And so as we come to glorification, we recognize that this represents salvation finalized. And it's, 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 it's hard almost to put this in words that are most accurate. Glorification is salvation finalized. Salvation completed. Salvation consummated. Glorification. The finalizing work of God's salvation. You see, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. We don't live in a culture that likes to hear that. We want the best now. And we want it our way. But the best is yet to come. And it is this that we look forward to. Glorification. Now, I'm going I'm to take some of you back. And some, for some of you, I'm going to introduce a new concept. It sounds crazy. I'm going to talk about CD burning. <laughs> you know, it's like laptops today, they don't even have CD drives, half of them. They're just done away with it. No, no CD drive, no DVD drive, like discs, why? And yet, I remember when the compact disc was invented. <laughs> Literally, back in the days we went from VHS and cassette TDK. You know, when if you had a chrome cassette tape, you you was a boss or a metal. Listen, I don't even think I ever had a metal cassette tape. You see, normally they were made of like this little acetate. But if you had the chrome, then it was higher quality. Metal, oh my gosh. That, that was the business. You know, people knew that you was really into music if you had a metal cassette tape. And it all represented that superior quality that people were striving after. And it, you could capture your own music or whatever it is you wanted to capture yourself on your own format. But there was always a drawback. There was always a little hiss. You know, sometimes when you, was, you had rinsed that tape until it had broken and you taped it up. And so you got that part in the, your favorite song when it goes, as it passed through the machine. 
and you longed for that, that flawless reproduction. And then came the CD, the compact disc. And, and you know, we were, we were happy, we were encouraged because it was now digital. No hiss, no wobble, no, it was just, ooh. But hold on, the CD, I can't record my own music, I can't make up my own mixtapes, I can't. I mean, I just have to buy what's given to me. Or at least that's what we thought. And then CD burning. <laughs> Listen. I'm a person I'm easily pleased. And I was quite happy with just straight audio CDs. But then they said you could do data CDs. And you could get 10 times as much music on a data CD if you put them on in MP3 form. But there was no point you putting them on MP3 form if your CD player wouldn't play it. And so, for you guys who are too young to remember, these were the joys of um, audio progression in our lives as old as ancient people. But listen, I remember one day I had I had slaved over preparing this CD, and I put it in the in the in the player and it wouldn't play and I put it in my computer and it was fine it was playing and I put it in the car and it wouldn't play and I began to get a bit annoyed I was just like why won't this disc play I know that the information's on there everything that I, I'm hoping for and is expecting is is present when I when I put it in the the master drive on the computer it's fine but when I put it in another player and I tried a few other CD players and it wouldn't play everything that I was looking for was there but the problem was it hadn't been finalized it hadn't been finalized. And the, final, the process of finalization meant that everything that was there could now be fully enjoyed. It now became accessible and it, you were able to interact with it without hindrance. And in many ways, this is the picture that we see of glorification. All of the essential nutrients of salvation we possess, even as we looked at all of those different aspects, justification, adoption, regeneration, and so on, all of the essential nutrients are ours now. It's not something that we are waiting for. And yet, we don't enjoy them without hindrance. We don't enjoy them with full and free expression. Why? Because we still await the finalization of our salvation. Now, I use that word intentionally as opposed to using completion. It's synonymous, but there can be a sense in which if somebody says your salvation awaits completion, it can suggest that actually you're missing something now. And in a sense, it's true. But in a greater sense, it's not. We have right relationship with the Father through Christ. We have his favor upon us. Our sins are forgiven. In fact, 
from God's point of view, as you look at verse 30, notice the tense in which it speaks. It says, not only are we justified, but we are glorified. Past tense. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So from God's perspective... It's already a done deal. It's just a matter of time. You order something from Amazon. You make a payment. Your order is confirmed as accepted and completed. You now await shipping. That order belongs to you. From the point that your transaction is completed and your order is verified. At that point, that item belongs to you. But at the same time, it doesn't. How come? It hasn't come yet. And so you sit down waiting for Amazon and it's prime and it's supposed to be next day because we can't wait. And it doesn't come next day and we're vexed because what's mine should be here in my hand now. Listen, they're making money on Prime, you know. You know the amount of times I've ordered next day and it's come the day after next day. Yeah? I've got a few witnesses in here, I know. And you know when it's the day after next day, you just kind of don't really feel like complaining and making a big deal out of it. And yet we're still paying how much money? £8 a month or whatever it is for Prime, right? With the guaranteed next day. But that no, it's not guaranteed. The fact that we're able to even have that sense of expectation and entitlement is because the transaction has been made and accepted. Christ has made the divine transaction that has been accepted by the Father and salvation is ours. And so we are saved from our past and we are being saved in the present. And yet, our salvation will be finalized in such a way that we will be saved forever. God is so good. Because he has given us assurance of this by raising Christ from the dead. The first fruits of many brothers. And so we can anticipate glorification. We can anticipate that we will experience the completion of our transformation. Somebody once said that the Christian is living in the kingdom that is now and not yet. Jesus came, Mark chapter 1. The kingdom of God is at hand. It is within your grasp. It is within your reach. It is right here for you now. Therefore, repent and believe in the gospel, in the good news. Enter the kingdom. And so we enter the kingdom. And we're like, praise be to God. We're, we're, we're right with the Lord and we're a part of his family and we have his favor upon us and all of the promises of Abraham are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. 
That's enough to make us happy. That's enough to have us singing. So, oh, 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 good. And yet, we then encounter hardship. And we encounter failings. And we encounter everything that we don't want and furthermore don't even expect. I mean... Hold on a second. They told me that this Christian life would be a would be a, a paradise. It'd be a rose garden. But they forgot to tell you that the roses still have thorns. This side of heaven. And so how do we reconcile that? We're living in the already, but not yet. And there is a sense in which we live with an expectation of fulfillment that is yet to come. And some people, they, they make the, the mistake. And I'll give you an example. You understand what I mean. But they make the mistake of trying to bring the not yet into the now. How many times have you heard, just come to the crusade and all of your sickness and illness will be healed and, you, and no harm shall come near you ever again. And people line up and they get their blessing and they're prayed for and they're healed. God heals today. And yet, still lose hair, still wear glasses, still need cod liver oil tablets. And you're kind of like, hold on a second. How does this work? If, if no harm shall come near me and I'll never be sick again, why, why, why is this happening to me? And those who misconstrue the scriptures and abuse the text will say, it's because you have no faith. That which you feared has come upon you. It's foolishness. The reality is that we live in the already but not yet. The kingdom is now and not yet. And all of those things that are promised flawlessly and without limitation in the eternal kingdom, we only get glimpses of now. We don't get heaven until we get there. We only get glimpses of these things now. And we're grateful for them. Yes, by Christ's stripes, we were healed. That is the word of God. Amen? Amen. So are we to pray for healing if we need it? You don't sound certain. Yes. And God will minister healing as he wills. But if you don't experience it now, you can rejoice. Because you will experience it then in all its fullness. In that place where there will be no more sickness and no more pain. Furthermore, there will be no more dying. Amen? But so often we are, we are, we are trapped in the spirit of the age that says we can't wait. And if we can't get it now, then it can't be true. So, we await glorification. 
I want us to consider the, the context of those verses. And then I want to break down glorification. Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We could just stop right there. Because we understand what suffering means in our own way. The reality is that we don't even understand suffering like other people in the world understand suffering. We wake up in the morning, we have a choice of food to eat. We have a choice of clothes to wear. Some of us have a choice of vehicles to get out and drive in. We have, and so we don't really understand suffering like certain people understand suffering. When they wake up in the morning, is, is it going to be grain or is it going to be rice? And that's it. Forced vegan diet. And all the vegans said, amen, they're living better than us anyway. <laughs> Dean already dealt with that nicely, so I'm not even going to get involved. <laughs> but we've, we've got choices. That is evidence of riches. But yet still, we, we experience suffering in our own way. Because for what we have in material things, I can be confident in saying we may lack relationally. And so there are those people that we feel have let us down and failed us. And there are those people that we have failed and let down. And even to have lost a loved one is pain and suffering in itself. We didn't get the, the, the grades. Our 2 2 was scorned by our family. It wasn't even a 2 1. We're still single and not married. And we feel the burden of that. We're married and wishing we were single and feel the burden of that. Bro. The grass always looks greener on the other side, right? Each to his calling. That's all I'm saying. We experience suffering. And we are longing for that time when we will not suffer anymore. C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself desires nothing in this world can satisfy I can only conclude that I was made for more than this we're, we're like when we feel thirsty it suggests that there is something to quench that thirst when we feel hungry it suggests that there is something to satisfy that hunger we feel longing for a pain-free life it must suggest that somewhere in our existence there is the possibility of a pain-free life. And so the scripture tells us, listen, keep the faith, keep pressing on because there is a glory that is yet to be revealed and it's going to make you forget all your suffering. You, when we stand in the presence of our Savior, we won't be mourning and lamenting about this, that, and the other. 
the Lord wipe away every tear. That's it. It's done. In fact, it goes on to say in verse 19 that even the environment itself is waiting for the revelation of that glory. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That the revealing of the sons of God meaning the ultimate revelation. It's almost as if as children of God we're walking around like Clark Kent right now. I was talking with somebody the other day and they said, Ooh, I didn't recognize you without your hat on. They actually looked astounded. And I said, yeah, it's like Clark Kent, right? He put some, some eyeglasses and all of a sudden nobody can recognize that he's super bad. <laughs> like, some simple glasses, you know. I don't, you don't recognize him anymore. Put on a hat, take it off. Don't recognize me anymore. And we're walking around like Superman with eyeglasses on. And we kind of think, mm, there's a similarity, really, we know, right? But other people. There's a similarity. But there's going to come a point when glasses come off, hat come off, cape, cape, and we're there like Christ. Fully. Creation itself is waiting for this revelation. Why? Verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, to worthlessness, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You see, at that point when we are glorified, the whole world will be transformed at that point. You see, it was at the point of our fall that the world fell into corruption. Sin entered into the environment. Through the sinful action of humans. And so now we experience thorns and weeds and rats and cockroaches. And we experience floods and tsunamis and earthquakes and bitter cold. You know that scientists have found fossils in Arctic areas, like the North Pole, South Pole, and so on, they have found fossils of tropical organisms in Arctic areas. How does that work? A tropical creature found fossilized in an Arctic region where it's snow and ice consistently. And those who have been willing have said, you know what, this is testimony to the fact that there was a point in time when the world was a completely and totally tropical environment. And then an, uh, an unexpected and sudden cataclysmic um, uh, event took place that rapidly caused these creatures to be fossilized. And the world was changed at that point. Now, someone reading the Bible, I say, amen. That sounds familiar. 
How come? Because the world, pre-flood, before Noah, it didn't, it didn't have, like, the whole world was Hawaii. I mean, we get, we get a couple weeks of sunshine, and we're nice. And we're, 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 some people's complaining, I don't want, don't speak to me. Don't talk to me. Ungrateful, can't try, I'm not trying to hear that. Just go Primark and adjust your clothing, but don't complain. Some nice weather, scorching. I, 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 I took a little break the other day. I went to the Costa del Sheppey. Mm. You're thinking, where's the Costa del Sheppey? I never heard of that one. Costa Brava, Costa del Sol. Listen, go 40 minutes down the road. <laughs> down the A2. Costa del Sheppey. I was right at the Isle of Sheppey where the, um, where the Thames goes out into the channel. It was like I was in Spain. There's me taking selfies by the sea, you know, like, <laughs> sun blazing, glasses on. It was baking. Who would have ever thought? In England. England. Cool, 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 England. And we get a few weeks of sunshine and it means something to us because it's so rare. We look out at the grass and it looked like the Sahara. Everybody's like, hmm, golden brown, look at the grass, where's it gone? It means something to us because it's so rare, but there was a time when the world was completely tropical throughout. And yet, when the Lord opened the heavens and poured out the rain and opened the, 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 the floods of the deep and poured them out in, in, in a rapid moment, the world was changed and those tropical organisms were encased in mud and were fossilized to the point where you now have tropical organisms in Arctic regions. And that was because of man's sin. That even the world and the environment in which we live has been deformed. And yet at that point of glorification, the world will be released. Sin will be so eradicated that it won't be just from our hearts and lives, but it will be from the very environment in which we live. And so we hear pictures from the Old Testament foretelling a time when the lion will lay down with the lamb. And you know that's not supposed to happen, right? The only time lion is laying down with the lamb is when he's chewing. <laughs> Eating that. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. You see, we experience the, the pain, the suffering, and the pressure. And Jesus made reference to the, the, the pains of, of childbirth as being signs of the end coming near. And I had to learn very quickly um, when my wife was first pregnant because we were young and I didn't really know much about pregnancy at all. And I learned that um, these things called contractions can be extremely painful. And all the mom said, amen. And these contractions are such that don't, don't relax when you, when you see the first contraption because they increase in their frequency. And so they have that first contraction 
And it's like, okay, you better take notes, start getting yourself together, start making your plans, because it started. This is the labor process having started now. And you can't predict the frequency. So um, when Kian was born, she was born within, it was under three hours, it was within two hours, the labor in total was. And you kind of think, hmm, wow, that seems, sounds kind of quick. You hear, I mean, I think when Chloe was born, it was like almost 24 hours. I was a mess. I was crying. I was shaking. I was, I couldn't, it, I was just like, this is long. And that's just me watching. <laughs> so you don't know the duration of these contractions. You don't know how, how near or how far apart they're going to be. You don't know how long they're going to last for. You just know that this baby's coming. We better ready ourselves. And when it talks about birth pangs, it's talking about these contractions within the human experience where we experience these pains. And it is indicating, it is signaling that the end is coming. The point of the, the completion of the new birth is getting nearer. And verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Notice it qualifies. Our eager waiting for adoption is not saying that we don't know we're already adopted. In fact, it said previously in chapter 5 that the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. So we are able to have that assurance now. We are the children of God. We are his. We are redeemed. And yet we want the fulfillment of it. We want the finalization of it. We want all of it. Even the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? I hope one day I'm going to get a phone, you know. But hold on. Have you got a phone in your hand, Pastor E? Well, yeah, but I hope one day I get a phone. It doesn't make sense. I have a phone. If I say I'm hoping for a better phone, that I'm hoping for something I don't yet have. We are called to a living hope in Christ Jesus. This world isn't all there is. The best is yet to come. Amen? And so let us persist in hope. Verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Some of us struggle with that. We're impatient. I remember one time, I used to be very impatient. And you say, one time? What, like you're not? Generally, I have been forced to learn patience. I grew up with my grandmother. So probably at the point at which I was born, she was already a pensioner. And she never done anything quick. She never done anything quick. And so I had to learn patience. 
Especially when I was then being called to do for her the things that she wasn't trying to do at all. Let alone, she weren't doing them quick. Some of you seen that, um, that um, little clip where the guy's laying in the bed and the, um, he calls his son, yo, yo, come in here, come in here, come in here, come in here. And he comes in there and he says, yeah, pass me that remote over there. <laughs> and it's six inches away from his hand. <laughs> and some of us can relate to that. Now, I felt like my life was that growing up the whole time. But there was, there was reason, right? Because my grand, she was an elderly woman. And I mean, it was, it was already a, a, an act of extreme selflessness for her to be looking after a little toddler who wants to climb on everything and mash up everything and kick ball in the house and mash the windows. And that, she was already, you know. So I, I learned that actually, hold on a minute. Even in my moments of frustration, even in my moments of frustration, actually, there's a reason. And so I was forced to learn patience. So that's why people will look at me and say, you know what, Pastor E, you're not a guy that does anything quick, you know. <laughs> See, people who know, they're laughing. <laughs> you're not a guy that does anything quick, you know. And it's true because I adopted that same kind of mode of operation. <laughs> why rush? It's going to get done, isn't it? <laughs> Haste makes waste. And so you're now forced to learn with patience as you deal with me. <laughs> but patience isn't something that we're all blessed with the grace to have. But we need it. Because we don't get heaven until we get there. We don't get heaven until we get there. And so those, those things that we're desiring, that we're looking for, that fulfillment, that satisfaction, we will often try and find it in everything else because we're impatient. And so, I can't take this no more. This job is doing my head and I'm going to go and change jobs. Why did I sign up for this course? End of the second year. <laughs> Why did I sign up? I want a different course. And we're trying to find fulfillment and we're trying to find satisfaction. Oh, if I could just get some money, get paid. Oh, if I could just, whatever. And we get it. And then we're just like, hmm, okay. It's nice for a season. Let's be honest. We enjoy it for a season. It's like going on holiday. 10 days, nice. 14 days, oh boy, you know, I'm ready to go home now. This time we've been saving all year to get there. Can't wait. Look, looking at the website, looking at the pictures, reading the, 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 the reports on, a, on TripAdvisor. Oh, yeah, it's a great hotel we're going to. Look at the pool. Food's wonderful. We get there 10 days later, 11 days. I'm ready to go home now. <laughs> we don't get heaven. There's never going to be any dissatisfaction in heaven. When we are glorified, there's never going to be any failed expectation. I mean, oh, my days. But we just have to be patient. And that's why, verse 26, we need the Spirit to help us in our weakness. Because sometimes we lose our mind. And we don't know what to pray for as we ought. We're so impatient and so frustrated and, and just so even demoralized. Are we there yet? Are we ever going to get there? We need the Spirit of the Lord to help us. 
And the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so even in those times when our suffering feels too much to bear, it's been years and we still don't have a child. And we're just like, Lord, do you love me? Or, or is this just a myth? How long must I long for this child, Lord? To the point where we don't even know how to articulate words in prayer. And all we can do is just groan. And our tears are a language of their own. In that broken relationship, feeling like there's no way out, God understands. And he, by his spirit, will sustain you even to the fulfillment of his purpose in glorification. When those things won't matter, they won't matter. If you never have it, no one's saying it won't hurt, but it won't matter in the long run. And sometimes that's hard to hear, but it's important we have an eternal perspective. And this is why verse 28 makes so much more sense and has so much more meaning. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And we say that in the, in the, in the, in the temporal sense. This is speaking in the everlasting sense. There's temporal now truth in it. But we don't get heaven until we get there. The best is yet to come. And ultimately, everything that we are going through in this life, every ounce of suffering, every moment of dissatisfaction, every pain and hurt from betrayal, everything will be used by God, compounded together for your good. For those who are called, according to his purpose. God's word, man, it's on another level. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. God had you in mind. He knew you before the foundation of the earth. And he set the, 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 the train tracks. And he said that you will get to the destination. Even when your life gets derailed and... God is faithful to get you to that destination, which is confirmation to the image of his son. In order that he, the son, might be the firstborn among many brethren, the father purposed that the son would be rewarded with brothers and sisters like himself for his faithfulness in being the ultimate sacrifice. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. It's a done deal in the eyes of God. And so what do we look forward to as it relates to glorification? What does glorification even mean? What does, what does glory mean? Now listen, it's important for us to recognize that 
Glory only finds its definition in one place. And that is in the existence of God. In the being of God. <clears throat> it's definitely not among men. It's definitely not among people. First Peter. Let me find this first. Chapter 1. Verse 1. Chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. All flesh is like grass and all its glory. You know, there are things we look at and we think, wow, look at man. Isn't he great? You see those YouTube videos. Isn't man wonderful? Epic people. And people are doing great things. They're diving off the side of mountain with no strings. And they just got these little one parachute and jumping off and zooming down and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And you, you see the, 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 the great structures that have been built. And you see all of these things. And yet, man at his best, humanity at our best, even with all of our collective wisdom and consciousness, at our best, our glory is like a flower. And we know how fragile a flower is, right? Something just bumps into it and the petals are falling off. You leave it in the sun too long and it just begins to wither and curl up and die. Flowers look nice, but only for a season, only for a while. All flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. See? Everything you could aspire to in life that you would suggest is important, is valuable, that would validate your life and make you feel worthwhile, it's temporary. It's fleeting. And so this glorification isn't the best of human, human experience. You're going to have the best of human experience in a way that is going to be flawless and without hindrance. This is another level altogether. Glory. The revelation of the utmost importance and supreme impressiveness of God. Some of you will remember that um, from our series a while back. The revelation of the utmost importance and supreme impressiveness of God. Glory is the revelation of who God is. God is is glorious his being he himself his substance is glorious supremely glorious glorious in ways that we don't understand in fact Moses said please show me your glory and you can kind of just hear God laugh in his response I will make all my goodness pass before you 
and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. Like Moses, you don't know what you're asking. You're not ready, Moses. There are levels to this thing God is saying. You can't... Look what he says. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory, notice, passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. It's like, Moses, if you see my glory, you're going to dead. You're finished. You will not survive. And so you just have to see my afterglow. You know, sometimes you walk into a room and you smell and you're like, hmm, I know that perfume. What's the name's been here? You know them ones? God's saying, look, you can't, you can't, like, you can't, you can't handle seeing me because I am so glorious. And the, the emanation of his being comes from who he is. And the emanation of his being is his glory. quote I shared from John MacArthur with regards to the the sun and sunshine. So those scientists among us can tell me what the sun is. What is the sun? Just in a basic sense. It's a star. And what does it consist of? Energy. It's a ball of gas, right? That's what the sun is. What is sunshine? It's the glow from the sun. We'll take that. It's the shine. <laughs> is the shine from the sun any less the sun than the sun it's, it's, it's of the, the same substance yeah just as the radiance of the sun reaches the earth to light us to warm us to give us life and growth so in Christ do we sense the warmth and the radiance and the glorious light of God touching the hearts of men the brightness of the sun is of the same nature as the sun. It, has, is, it is as old as the sun. And never was the sun without its brightness. The brightness of the sun cannot be separated from the sun. And yet, it is distinct. You see, you cannot separate God from his glory because it's an emanation. It is an expression of who he is. And so when it talks about us being glorified, it is talking about us coming to that place where we are filled with and participate in revealing God's glory without any degradation, without any corruption, without any um, tainting or Look at this in Isaiah 43. I will say to the north, give up 
and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. You see, we are made for the glory of God. And it's so easy for us to get caught in just a short-sighted, low-level perspective of what our lives are for and the fullness of who God has made us to be. New Testament example to bring it home. Matthew 17, 1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like what? And his clothes became white as light. In that moment, Jesus could not contain the substance of his being. But it burst through his very being. It burst through his very body. In such a way, his glory was revealed. Colossians 1.27 To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, the very thing that we aspire to, we, the, the best that we want for our lives is so small, so, so little bit, so insignificant compared to the best that God has purposed for you to be. I tell you what blew my mind when Dean shared about formed, deformed, transformed, conformed, and we were sitting in community group and the thought just struck me. You know what? When we experience a transformation and we are conformed to the image of Christ, so often we think about the physical. We think about what, what's our body going to be like? And so you kind of get that sense of, oh, I'm not going to stub my toe anymore and say, ouch, it's gonna, I'm just going to be pain free. And, and, and are we going to have like younger bodies? Are we going to be six packed and looking like perfectly fit and all of these things? And Paul responds to that, to the Corinthians. But some will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? That's what we say, right? What are we going to look like? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be. This physical body going into the ground isn't anything like what's going to come out of it. If you want to hear more on that, listen to Rich T's teaching on 1 Corinthians 15. It's on the podcast history um, from a while back. So we're going to get a new body. But you know what? For me, that's not even the biggest thing. It's not the biggest thing. Because our physical appearance and even our physical strength doesn't define who we are. That is actually so little as it relates to who we are. I want you to imagine that everybody was made of glass. And you're like, oh, that's freaky. That looks scary. But you couldn't look at that person and say what nationality they are. You couldn't say what ethnicity they are. You couldn't look at them and say what kind of culture they come from. Immediately, if everybody looked at glass as looked like glass, that kind of recognition and identification would be neutralized. So what would make people individual? 
they would be more focused on their personality and on their temperament and on their character. And so we'd be thinking more in terms of, oh, well, that person's a generous person. That person's a kind person. You see that person, they're selfish and resentful. Like, don't have too much to do with them. We're not thinking about what they look like. We're thinking more about who they are. Now, really and truly, that's the way we should be looking at people in life. And some bonus material, director's cut for the single. I'm, I'm begging you, please. Don't get misled by outward appearances and all of that. And we're big people, right? So we understand that. But so often, it gets subtly kind of um, refocused. So it's not so much, okay, are they six foot two and, you know, got a chest like Terry Crews and, you know, but it's, okay, what kind of job does he have? And how much money is he earning? And does he have his own house? And is he upwardly mobile? And these are all still material things. You can have somebody that has all of those things and is a very selfish, unkind and hard-hearted individual. And yet we get razzled and dazzled by the belongings and the, the, the achievements, quote-unquote. And get ourselves into a relationship we hate. So, side note, back on track. When we think about who we are, I want you to think that that is going to be changed. Not just our appearance. That is just a small... When you think about, you know what? That impatience that you've got, it's going to be changed. When, when, you, when you think about the anxiety that you experience and the depression that you go through, it's going to be changed. When you think about all of the desires that you have for respect and approval, it's going to be changed. When you think about the, how hard it is to deal with betrayal, and rejection, it's going to be changed. And you kind of think, can that be changed? And we see in ourselves all of the things that are wrong with us. And so I, I think, you know, it was Duncan. Um, Duncan Forbes is a pastor down in Roehampton, for those who don't know, at New Life Church. And I remember him saying this one day, and it always sweeped me. He said, if I knew me the way that I know me, I wouldn't die for me in a moment. Knowing me the way I do. And yet, it's going to be changed. First John 3, 1 to 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, offspring of God, the seed of God. And so we are. Yes, we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. People don't recognize us right now. They don't see you for who you are in Christ Jesus. But they didn't recognize Jesus. If people can't see Jesus for who he is being the son of God, how are they going to recognize us? Don't get discouraged by that. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, what? We shall be like him. 
So then what, type, what, does, what does Jesus look like? We don't really know. Oh, we beat the drum, he's a man of color, da, 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 da. You know what? That is entirely superficial. I mean, it doesn't actually give us any direct and specific description of his appearance. And so when it says, we shall be like him, the, 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 the major emphasis is on who he is as a person, not what he looks like. Amen? We shall be like him. That blows my mind. My selfishness and my deceitfulness and everything else will be changed. I don't know about you, that, that makes me happy. That gives me great joy. And in that, we will reveal the glory of God. How is this going to happen? God is faithful to finish the work that he started. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. There are no unfinished business in God's kingdom there are no DIY projects that are left undone. Three quarters, nine tenths, finishing touches missing, halfway through and then stopped. There's no unfinished projects in God's kingdom. The work that God has started in you, he is faithful to complete. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of what? His glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. You've been made for the glory of God and your glorification awaits you. Keep pressing on. Keep the faith. God is faithful to finish the work that he started in you and it will be absolutely beyond our understanding and expectation. Entirely so. And yet, this is why Christ came. The Lord looks in our eyes and takes the hand of his bride and leads us as he takes us inside. The mystery once hidden his side, birthed in the blood once shed from his side, a caterpillar metamorphed to a cute butterfly, changed in the blink of an eye. I'm so glad for that night. He accepted my life and I was joined to the body of Christ. Now my smell is Christ and my name is Christ. I'm built up into the frame of Christ. He foreknew and predestined the Lord to be conformed unto the image of Christ. 
Those predestined are those he called and justified. That's why the bridegroom died. And having been justified, the only thing that is left is to be glorified. We're going to be changed. Let's stand, church. We thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness, for the great and tremendous promise that you have placed us, you've placed before us in Christ Jesus. Ah, Lord, how we need to be so often reminded that the best is yet to come. And it is a best that we cannot comprehend or understand. We thank you, Lord, because truly our salvation is sure. You are guaranteed to finish the work that you've started in those who believe. And so it's not by force nor by fire, but it's by your spirit, Lord, that we are able to look forward to the fulfillment, the finalization of your saving work, and that we will experience the completion of our transformation. And so we thank you for this, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you because it's all of you and not of us. We thank you. And Lord, I pray right now for those who have yet to believe, who have yet to put their trust in you, and who have nothing more to look forward to than the best that life has to offer, and then judgment. Even knowing that this life, the best that it has to offer, doesn't satisfy our eternal souls. I pray, Lord, that you would so work in their hearts and lives, that everyone within the sound of my voice who has yet to surrender themselves to you and submit to you and put their trust in you, turning from their own life and their own efforts and their own attempts to try and be glorious and experience glory. There is no glory apart from you. You are the eternal, everlasting, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-knowing God. There's none like you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would draw them by your spirit. We ask this in your name today. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.